Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you very much for pulling your chair up to my virtual cool kids table. Uh, I have been doing this podcast, wow, for five and a half years, but a little over a year ago, I started something special, and that was uh, approximately the first Thursday, I miss that date once in a while, but about the first Thursday of every month, I co-produce one episode with the Austin Technology Council, and that's what today's episode is. We are in co-production for this episode with the Austin Technology Council, the largest tech industry organization in Central Texas. ATC, they empower their members through insights, resources, and connections so that their members can succeed and thrive. And on this episode, we actually have the CEO of the Austin Technology Council, Amber Gunst. And I met Amber about two years ago when she first took over this role of CEO for ATC. Uh, We talked about the idea of a podcast. And then a few months later, we started doing this special episode once a month. I think this is, gosh, about the 15th one we've done now. And they've all been really good. But I wanted Amber to come on this month as as we roll into April because we're going through some interesting things in our economy worldwide, in the country, in Texas, and certainly right here in Austin. So I said, Amber, let me interview you and let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of tech, especially as it relates to our Austin technology community. So Amber Gunst, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. I'm glad to be here and just wish we could see each other in person. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We I do all these interviews. Uh, I already do them by uh, over over Zoom, but uh, in, in these days we have to do them over Zoom. So we can't be in we can't be in the same room with anybody. Um, but you know, Austin technology is a huge part of the Central Texas economy. So could you tell us a little bit more? Since we have the CEO on the phone, tell us a little bit more about ATC. So we've been around since 1992 and we're the largest and oldest tech council in the state of Texas. And we, every day, the work that we do helps to promote and support the growth of tech in Austin. We launched a BHAG, Big Hairy Audacious Goal, two years, or almost three years ago now, um, to help grow 10 Austin-based technology companies to a billion dollars and another 100 to 100 million. And the goal behind that is to help bring in the best talent into Austin, help create some of the best product that can come out of our city and give companies and employees the opportunity to achieve 
pretty much anything they want to from a career standpoint. And also because we'll have a strong economy and great jobs from a personal standpoint as well. So how is that BHAG coming? Are you seeing growth in companies, I mean, before three weeks ago? You know, we we are. We're seeing growth in companies. Um, we When we launched the BHAG a few years ago, we redesigned all of our programming to be value-based, um, meaning that our members are going to learn something that they're going to be able to take back and apply to their businesses. And since we've made those changes in our programming, we've seen our membership almost triple in size in that time. Wow, that's that's a huge number to triple in size in three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've worked very, very hard on it. Um, dedicated employees and, and, you know, members who it's not your typical business association. Um, they they feel very strongly about our organization. Um, we position ourselves as the fact that we're a community of companies who are looking to support each other. I hear our members talking all the time about rising tides lift all ships. Um, I can't think of a single CEO that we have um, that represents a company with ATC that will not get on the phone with somebody and walk them through a problem they're dealing with. Um, And and it doesn't just go for the CEOs, it goes for executives as well. Um, We have a lot of people that reach out, want to do some mentorship, and it's not that difficult to find a good mentor for them. (laughs) A lot of people want to help out. Well, and I moved to Austin in 1991, so I have seen the entire growth of our tech industry uh, go from its infancy to being one of the leading centers for technology uh, in the world. And I know that ATC has always played a really integral role through its different iterations over the past 30, you know, 30 years now. And so uh, all of a sudden, the world gets uh, kicked in the teeth a little bit. We have this virus that has caused us to have to retool how we do everything, uh, whether we work in professional services, whether we work in the meetings industry like I do, or whether we're an association. So how is this impacting ATC? And then let's talk about how it impacts your member companies. Well, I think the first impact that we had at ATC is that we had to move all of our programming off or, you know, online. And so last week we launched our first virtual roundtable. We were hoping to get about 10 to 20 people to take part in it because we really didn't know. We'd never done virtual roundtables or anything web-based before. We've always done everything in person. And we had over 90 people RSVP for the event and over 55 people um, showed up for the event. And it was a great program. Um, They were talking about the legalities of COVID-19, what employers needed to know. Um, I think the thing that that struck me as probably the most valuable information, especially with what companies are dealing with right now on, um, you know, on their cash position and making payroll and, and, you know, not knowing what's going to happen next was they, they talked about the difference between Um, a layoff versus a furlough Mm. and the legalities around that. And I got a lot of feedback from members, really grateful to have that information. So that was very helpful for people to to have an understanding of what those differences are, because it's not, you know, it's just not a typical situation right now. Well, what are, if you remember kind of what was said, what is the difference between a layoff and a furlough? Well, a layoff is you are basically terminating employment for the employee. 
um, or employees that are affected by that. And so they no longer have benefits. They um, will likely not be called back to work. A furlough, which is a temporary layoff, um, you're still covering the healthcare benefits for the employee, but you are not covering the salary. The unemployment insurance will kick in and the employees can collect unemployment. And the, fur the typical furlough length is any usually anywhere between four to 12 weeks. So that's something that I think a lot of companies will be looking at, especially companies who are applying for the SBA loans that are out there right now. Um, there is probably gonna be a backlog would be my guess due to the fact that you know you have so many people applying for this assistance on their payroll that they may need to furlough people for you know a, a couple of weeks while they're waiting for that hmm. that loan to come through i think it's fascinating that you were only expecting a handful of people to show up and you had almost 100 people sign up and had half that many be be in attendance uh, what other types of virtual events are you going to be offering your members so we're going to continue the this one that we had last week we did with Insperity and they're going to do it for another four weeks on Thursdays at 1130. We are working with Regions Bank right now to come up with some discussions on finance um, to do on Fridays. And we've got a few other members who have committed to doing these as well. Um, one of our members is doing it on leadership. Um, another member is, you know, doing one we've got a board member who is going to be working with us on um, helping companies with keeping their culture and and employee wellness and and mental health right now a lot of people are struggling with the work from home especially with their children being home their spouses being home or possibly even that they live alone and so there's a lot of different things that people are struggling with right now and so we're really excited that the board member company, Talent Guard, um, will be working with them to help come up with, you know, information that employers and team leaders can do to help check in with employees other than to say, hey, how's it going today? <laughs> yeah, in fact, that's one of the things I've been doing with some of my association clients is talking about this whole idea of how do you get people to practice what I call social tightening while we're social distancing? Because if, we, if we're not intentional about it, our company culture suffers, the relationships that bosses and employees have and coworkers have will suffer, but also the connection that we have to our vendors and even more importantly, our customers can suffer. And because we are no longer physically in the same room, if we're not intentional about it, these these ties will weaken, especially if this goes on for too long. Yeah, I mean, I follow um, all of our members for the most part. I, I can't think of one I probably don't follow on Twitter or some type of social media. And um, Valkyrie has recently brought on Michael Manning, who um, has just done amazing things with her career here in Austin. And she had posted something, I can't remember which area she posted it on, but it, it was so timely to see it. She said, we may be social distancing, but we don't have to emotionally distance. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just a really important thing to, to get out there and to share with people because, you know, I, I have two employees and they're both wonderful women and I'm checking in with them. I'm, I'm trying to reassure them. I'm trying to make sure they're okay and they're doing well and, and that they feel connected to what we are doing every single day. So I, I have a small team of two women I work very closely with. It might be a little bit more difficult for somebody who has a larger team and maybe they don't work 
as closely with those people on a day in and day out basis, but still want to figure out how to make sure that their employees are doing well, um, that their mental and emotional health is not suffering, and that they still feel connected to the company, to the team, and to the work that they're doing. And so that's why it's really important for me to make sure that we do this program. And when I reached out to Linda Janock at Talent Guard, she was 100% on board and really excited to do it. I think I think that's great. So let's shift gears now and talk about our Greater Austin Technology community and and how is this affecting companies? I mean, you like you said, you follow and keep in very close touch with a lot of your members. W- what are some of the big challenges that they're facing? Well, I think the biggest challenge was this all happened. It felt like overnight. <laughs> um, you know, I it, I was laughing. I, I ran into two board members while I was walking my dog last night, and we all stood about six feet apart you know, made sure we didn't get too close. Um, but I, we were joking about the fact that my birthday was on March 11th. And they're like, oh yeah, your birthday, like you were the last person that got to celebrate your birthday out with friends in Austin. <laughs> and so we kind of laughed about that. But then we realized that, you know, on 12, on March 12th, they were starting to talk about, I mean, social distancing was starting to become this term that people were starting to use. And by the 13th, um, some companies were talking about deploying their teams and, and sending people to work from home. And by the time Monday morning rolled around, it, you know, companies were, were basically saying to employees, you know, if you don't already have everything that you need at home to work, come in and grab what you need and then go home. I, I woke up Monday morning and let my team know, like, like we are going to go grab everything that we need to be able to work from home for the foreseeable future and work. But before we go, we're going to also deep clean this office so that we don't come back and have germs and and everything else so that we can start this thing up again. Um, Fortunately, my team um, was healthy at the time, continues to be healthy. So we're very lucky with that. But, you know, it, I think it was easy for a group like ATC to say, hey, there's three of us. Let's grab what we need to grab. Let's clean everything up and let's go home. I think it's definitely a different conversation than when you have 30 employees or 300 or 3,000 employees. It, it becomes a lot more difficult. So so I think for a lot of companies that that first week was just trying to figure out which end was up and <laughs> making sure people's VPNs worked and making sure that their employees could log on and get access to the things that they need to have access to. And and really from a data and, and cybersecurity aspect, making sure that there wasn't anything that was going to be negatively impacted by having their entire workforce being disbanded and working from home. Um, I think last week was more of a dealing with the realization that nobody knew how long this was going to go. And so companies were starting to look at that financial aspect and they were starting to look at what is, what's going to be the next step in the next phase. And and we're starting to get questions from employees. So they had to figure out what some of those answers are. Um, I think this week's going to be a little bit more settling for people. And I think my, my hope is that by next week, we, even though we're all still going to be working from home, there's going to be a bit more of a, you know, business as usual tone to how people are functioning. Well, and when we talk about tech companies, I mean, that encompasses your membership. I've, I've now interviewed about 14 of your members between the actual tech companies and some of the vendors who support ATC. Um, 
tech means a lot of things. So in some cases, I'm sure you have people who have like actual laboratories where they're doing physical things, that things they can't do from home. Maybe it's assembling, maybe it's different stuff like that. Some of them might be more software oriented or gaming where they can log in and do their programming remotely. What are some of the things that you've seen where people have struggled with this? You know, I think the the hardware manufacturing is definitely a hard one because you have a lot of product that needs to get out. And I think the area that that they're struggling with the most is they're trying to get parts out of China and South Korea and Japan and Singapore and and all of the other countries that make up the Asian population or the Asian area of the of the globe. And so it's the trying to get the components and the parts that they need, getting the demand of the product that people need because they are looking to work from home. So you've got a lot more product that people are needing to get a hold of. And then the fact that most of the assembly for these companies is done in the U.S. And so while they might be getting components from overseas, a lot of the companies here in Austin, especially the Austin-based companies, they've got manufacturing facilities here in town that are putting these together. So whether it's a big fab that's creating semiconductor chips or it's, you know, somebody like Jane Ann Booth with Unaliware who's putting together her fantastic watches that I think are probably more important now than ever. Yeah, I, inter- um, I interviewed her on this podcast in, I believe, December. Yeah. And that is one that is, it's one of my favorite episodes. She just, she yeah. has such an amazing product and she's just so cool. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's one of those things where I, I look at that and it's like, you know, talk about peace of mind that, you know, for, for children who have parents who are elderly and or frail or dealing with, in, you know, immunocompromised situations. I mean, I think that what she's built and what other companies have built are giving a lot of peace of mind to people right now that are utilizing that technology. And so you see a lot of it, you know, off the shelves or you can't find it or, you know, it's it's backlogged and you're going to get it sometime in mid to late May or possibly even early June. And so I think for the hardware companies, those are those are the problems that they're facing. So it's the how do you do social distancing when you have to do manufacturing at the same time and and the manufacturing is key. I think for the software companies, because you have so many people logging into systems and logging on from home, I think the (laughs) biggest concern and the biggest stressor area is that security aspect. And not that I believe any company thinks their employees might be doing something, you know, unethical, but it's the, everybody's got their home internet. And so does somebody have the ability to break in? I mean, while we were sitting here, I got some some scam text message from somebody trying to scam me out of my money at Wells Fargo, which is not even remotely Wells Fargo. And right. so you've got a lot of really bad actors out there right now who are doing really, really terrible things. And so, you know, if you're a tech company and you've got hundreds or thousands of employees deployed working from home is something possibly getting through a security system that might have a negative impact on your product or on your clients that you're running, you know, their payment systems through. And so I think that that that's just probably the biggest concern that they're dealing with. Um, On top of the fact that, you know, 
even if you have a company that you've got employees who are working from home most of the time, they still have the ability to come in and meet with each other and sit down and have meetings or, or you've got, you know, groups that, that you've got a, a team that works really well together and they bounce ideas off from each other and they really thrive off from that human to human interconnection. So that is, that's a big part of this right now is with everybody being sort of physically distanced, we're getting into this situation where a lot of that creativity, a lot of the stuff that they do, it's, it, it, at best it's changing. At worst, it, you know, the productivity of everything is being limited. And so I know that that's some of the stuff that, that you're going to be doing with some of these seminars and stuff that you're doing online training for your companies is how do people maximize the, you know, their employees' attention and productivity, especially in a day where, you know, a lot of people do work from home but their kids go to school all day. Or, you know, I talked to one friend, he has five children between the ages of like eight and 18 and they're all home and he can't get anything done because he's used to having a quiet household. His wife goes to work, the kids go to school and now everybody's there all day and it's been like a two week spring break for the kids. You know, what do they do? Well, I think employers just need to be flexible. I, I had that situation with our director of marketing. She has two children at home. She's got two dogs. She's she's the person who's like, nope, I want to come into work. It's <laughs> quiet there. I can get things done, um, you know. And so we had a conversation last week about the fact that she needed to come up with a schedule that was going to be flexible for her to be able to get her work done. But also not feel like she's being a bad parent because she's constantly telling her children, you you can't bug me right now. You can't bug me right now. Um, and then you've got this extra added pressure for parents who have children in school that they're trying to also figure out a homeschool or, you know, multiple devices are being used. I know my, my sister is a vice principal up in Michigan and and, you know, you've got teachers doing Zoom meetings with their students, trying to keep them up on their education. And so, you know, so it's that that might be the computer that people are using. Or you might have a mom or a dad who's a VP of sales or a salesperson who's got to get on the phone with clients. But kids are, you know, in the next room doing education and just the extra added noise and everything. So I think the most important thing that employers can do right now is to reassure their employees that, you know, that that they've got flexibility. If they want to get started at 6 a.m., work till 9 a.m., then sit down and have breakfast with the kids or <laughs> take the dog for a walk or, or go do that exercise video, um, that they can do that. And then they can hop back on, do what they need to do. And so I think just reassuring people that, that you understand mm. that, life is not typical. Like, <laughs> I don't know anybody who is currently working eight to five or nine to six. I mean, they might be online and, and connected and aware, but I think it's healthy for people to get up and, and go stretch and go, you know, do that workout or, or take their dog for a walk or, you know, go play a board game with your kids so that they feel like they're getting some attention because their lives have been completely turned upside down too. 
Well, and I think the other thing is then you have all those people, you have those bandwidth issues. I, I do all my recordings for this podcast and I've been doing some uh, some work with different associations trying to help them figure out um, you know content that they can or even companies where they can do training. If people are at home, what, what, what ideas do they have? What, what topics are out there? And I'm helping them connect with some speakers. And the funniest thing is, is that I drop, I literally tell everybody up front, by the way, this call could drop because I don't think my neighborhood internet was designed for all of us to be home at two o'clock in the afternoon using Spectrum Internet. It just, you know, there's just not the bandwidth for it. No, no. Internet for business and internet for personal use are two completely different things. Um, I'm actually fortunate. I live in a high rise downtown and it's one of the newer ones that they built in fiber for. Mm. And so I've not had the issues of slowing down, but it's because I, they basically put in business level internet services for this building. (laughs) And when you live in houses or you live in communities or you live in an older apartment community, that's not always the case. And, you know, I think also being flexible and, and, you know, I was talking to one member who mentioned that they had said to their employees, like, listen, we know that from 11 to three, most people are online and they're trying to get work done and kids are trying to get schoolwork done. So, maybe, you know, stagger <laughs> right. um, where, you know, a third of you are, you know, doing it at this time, a third are at this time and a third are at this time, just to kind of lighten that load a little bit. And I think, you know, people just have to understand that, you know, we all have to figure it out together and we can't, you know, can't get mad. Um, I, I had somebody ranting on social media that they were going to call their internet provider and complain. And it's like, well, they're in the same boat we're in right now. So, you know, that's a lot of good. That's going to do. (laughs) Yeah. There's not a whole lot that can be done. And I think that they're working as hard as they possibly can, um, you know, to try to make sure everything runs smoothly, but there's only so much they can do. And like you said, you know, when they when Spectrum put in your internet service in your neighborhood, they were not expecting you all to be home at two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, no, on. no, not at all. Hey, Amber, I've got a couple more questions for you, but first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Amber Gunst. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Amber, let's let's talk about some of the the negative stuff that goes on. I think I feel sorry for tech companies sometimes. Anytime there's any type of movement in the economy, tech gets put into one big bucket and sometimes people think that's the bad guys. Have you seen any like sort of negative uh, pushback on the way the tech companies locally or beyond are treating their employees? Um yeah, and I I'm really disappointed in that. Um, I, I've seen some some blog content. I've seen some social media posts. I've seen um, some articles written specifically calling companies out, um, and we're calling them out the first Monday and Tuesday of when this was all going down. And again, this all happened really really fast, and this is an unprecedented situation 
that we are dealing with. So to have the expectation that everybody is going to know everything to do, that's not reasonable. And, you know, and, and there were a lot of negative things that were written about not just tech companies, but a lot of companies. I, I was focused more on the tech, but there were others as well. And there was one comment about um, somebody wrote an article about all of the companies who were making their contractors come into work. And where that hit me is I used to work in third-party technical recruiting. And there's a lot of legalities that go into allowing third-party contractors to work for you in a remote setting. And so we had people writing things and making comments that didn't really understand the very intricate aspects of how this was going to work, how they were going to get people out and into an environment where they could work from their homes and not be released from their contracts. Um, you know, when when the first wave of layoffs were happening, people were making comments about the companies that were laying off folks early without really knowing why the companies were doing that or what the goal behind it was or even what type of layoff it was. So I think because, you know, it's that gotcha moment. It's the, I got you. I, I figured out the way you were doing something wrong. And I think this is just not the time to do gotchas with Mm -hmm. people. I think this is a time to instead reach out to those folks and say, hey, what can we do to help you? What information we have? What knowledge do we have that will help you make decisions that, you know, that you can help with? I mean, personally, you know, with ATC, we're a nonprofit. I'm going to be working over the next couple of days filling out the SBA information to help make sure that I don't have to lay off my employees. And so the information that I gather and all this stuff that I'm going to do, I'm already planning on building an FAQ to put out to our members to go, here's everything that I learned going through this. And, you know, here's, here's the average wait time that I had to wait to get information and, you know, putting all of that together And I think if we just look at this as we're all in this situation, every last one of us, regardless of what we do, where we are in our lives, we're all in it. And and how do we help each other get through it without trying to make somebody look like the bad guy? Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I knew somebody this wasn't actually in tech, but they really quickly did lay off several employees and they got some bad press where in the city that they lived in for doing it. But the employee, nobody interviewed the employees. The employees understood that because they were laid off, they actually were able to get unemployment benefits, whereas if they had been furloughed or some other legalities around these things, there wasn't going to be that type of, of protection. And they, they did it early in the month so that it would be able to have their insurance go longer. There were actual thoughts put into it, and the employees understood sort of what was going on, and, and the company kind of got smacked for being so fast to, to tighten their belt. And yet, at the end of the day, it's great that the government's doing what they're doing, but there's no way they can protect everybody. There's no way these SBA loans are going to be able to have the reach uh, that we would need to be able to keep everybody 100% whole. And so, you know, people have to understand, you know, if they're writing a blog post or even if they're a, a traditional reporter, now is not the time to fill in the blanks with your own assumptions um, without actually talking to the people involved. 
Yeah, and I mean, there there are people out there who truly are doing some things that they probably should get oh, called but, out for. I, of course, I ran across yeah. something this morning. I'm not going to share it on here. You can just go to Facebook and look it up. <laughs> um, and, and KXAN did an interview about it, so um, it's on the news. But it's, you know, but I think for the most part, people are trying to figure out how to keep their businesses running. Um, you know, if you've got to do a layoff, that's understandable right now. And your employees will understand it. The one, the one thing I remember, post nine eleven, I worked for a European tour operator. We all knew what was going on. People didn't want to go to Europe anymore. Um, people were scared. They didn't want to get on airplanes. And we, we knew, you know, as a sales team, as you know, as is the team that was booking all of the travel and, and doing all of the operational work. We all knew what was happening. We saw the decline in sales that were coming in. We saw it all. The company chose not to be transparent with us. And I'm not talking about transparent in, you know, giving people a daily update of exactly how many pennies you have left in the bank, but being transparent in these, this is where we're at. These are the steps we need to take in order to keep the company operational and functional and everything else. And so here's here's what we think will happen and the order it will happen in. And I think if companies have that kind of transparency with employees, it makes employees feel more secure. Um, right now is not a time for people to go out looking for a job. So your employees are not just going to start leaving you and they're not just going to quit their job and go work somewhere else right now. But they are going to feel after this more loyal to the companies that were able to say, hey, we may have to, you know, do a temporary pay cut. We may have to do this. Um, you know, we may have to juggle, you know, you'll get your commission check every month, but you might get it at the end of the month instead of the middle of the month because of this reason or that reason. Um, I think just being transparent and letting employees, especially, you know, these are people you trust with your business. You trust them, um, with the growth of that business. I think giving them the opportunity to know that you're working on it, and know that that they're not going to be surprised by anything that could happen is going to really create a lot of you know a lot of can't think of the word right now but you know a lot, it's going to keep people with companies they're sure. they're going to second guess going and looking for another job in yep. how you treat them now yeah and i think that that's true for companies and i think it's true for individuals those of us who can be helpful as, as much as we can and whatever that looks like, I think people will remember that on the far side. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, keeping in mind, we're starting to see some stuff where, you know, people are starting to go a little stir crazy. I mean, we're all stuck <laughs> at home and, you know, there's only so many crazy things like Tiger King on Netflix that you can watch <laughs> that makes you feel good about your current situation. And, you know, and so I think the, the thing we want to keep in mind is, is be reasonable, um, be accountable for your own actions and, and be understanding and give patience to people. Um, I personally on Saturday, that was a tough day for me. I was, I just wanted to be out. I miss my friends. I, I 
want to be able to go places and, and get back to my routine just like everybody else does. And that was a day that I, I had a lot of resentment, um, not towards any one individual, but just towards the situation. And I think understanding that what we're all doing is we're going through an aspect of grief right now that our normal lives have been disrupted and, and dealing with a lot of fear. Um, you know, we're, we're praying for our loved ones, but we're also praying for complete strangers that we may never know their names. And I think just trying to keep an, a good attitude about it. And if you feel I did something smart, I started texting and calling friends when I realized that I was starting to feel resentful of the situation and and just hearing that other people were in the same boat and they had the same feelings. Maybe they felt them a few days before. Um, maybe they were anticipating feeling them a few days after, but it was still really helpful for me to be able to talk to other people about what I was going through and, and to hear a voice at the other end of the phone saying, Hey, I, I felt the same way, or I feel the same way right now. Like, let's figure out a positive way to handle this. Well, and I think you'll agree with me on this. I, I'm my dad was older. He grew up before the depression. He was, he was an adult by the time the depression came along, or at least almost an adult. And he always said that the one thing you always have to remember is whenever there's some sort of an economic downturn or some sort of a tragedy or bust or whatever you want to call it, it's always followed by a boom. And if you go back and look through history, we've had all sorts of things, obviously nothing like this, but that's what we said at nine 11. That's what we said with the big tech collapse. You know, it's though we've never had anything like this before. And then what follows those are big times of growth. So I think you'll agree with me that uh, I'm pretty bullish on Austin and technology after we turn the corner on all this. I, I am as well. And I think, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of really interesting innovation come out of this situation. Um, I think you're going to start seeing companies, whether they're tech companies or their restaurants or their retail establishments, um, or their hotels and, and hospitality industry are going to really look at this from an innovative lens of how do we, you know, move forward in business now? And what do we need to create to put this together? I mean, just looking at the different apps and websites that were launched within a few days to help companies that were affected by the cancellation of South by Southwest and now all of this stuff that, you know, is going on to help support the local companies and restaurants and bars who have been affected by this. It's a really, really fantastic thing. Yeah, I think I think we're going to see a lot more of that. So I also think now is a great time if you are a local Central Texas technology organization. You know, we said it sort of earlier that that rising tide sort of helps all ships. Now is probably a really good time if you're not actively involved with the Austin Technology Council. I would think now is a good time to get involved because none of us are going to be able to navigate these crazy times. And I think they're here for a little while all by ourselves. So if somebody is interested in should they join, should they get involved, could you tell us a little bit about how you do that and what are the benefits? Yeah, so um, it's really easy to get involved. You basically just tell us you wanna get involved. We send you an invoice, you pay and you remember. So we don't have a lengthy application process or anything like that. Um, but you know, we always wanna know what it is our members do. Um, what it is they're looking for, what it is that they have um, set as goals so that we can help ensure that we're the right fit for them. So when we look at our membership, 65% of them 
have between 2 million and 120 million in revenue. Um, 30% have north of 120 million in revenue. So 100% of our members have a product launched on the market and have done customer acquisition. And that's really kind of where we help companies the most is once they're post product development. But, you know, getting involved, um, you know, whether you're looking for mentors, whether you are looking to come out and learn about different things. We had scaling series, which I know you did a podcast um, with David Altunian and Robert McKee on that a few months ago. That was really popular um, with our members. And we, you know, our leadership dinners, which we are hoping to get back up and running starting in July and our round, our our actual in-person roundtable series, which once again in July, we're hoping to relaunch and, and get people back into meeting each other. But I think if you want to get a really good sense of, of ATC and what we do and who we are, check out um, our roundtable series and that we're doing virtually right now. You don't have to be a member to be able to register for it. And you are welcome to jump in. And if you are interested in joining right now, go ahead and email us at info at austintechnologycouncil.org. And we will go ahead and get in connection with you and learn about your company and get you involved with our community. That sounds fantastic. And I hope everybody who is in the area who's not a member will take you up on that. Hey, Amber, thanks for being a guest. And thank you so much for the partnership with Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I have loved interviewing your members over the last 16 months. Well, we are so happy to do this program with you, and it was really an honor to be able to be part of this with you today, Tom. You take care and stay safe. Awesome. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every episode, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. There's a lot of crazy things going on out there. Go out and flex your entrepreneurial muscle. Make sure your ladder's against the right wall. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.